Extra Daily Planet Extra. Daily Bats. I choose you as champion. Say my name so my powers will become yours. Wait, for real? Say it, okay? Say my name. The man of scream. That's crazy, right? What are your superpowers? Superpowers, dude? I don't even know how to pee in this thing. This is proof of authenticity. Super strength. Electricity manipulation. Hyperspeed. I'd like to purchase some of your finest beer, please. His name is Captain Sparkle Fingers. No, it's not. It's not my. That's not my name. Chosen one. Oh, you're like a bad guy, right? You literally did the opposite of what a superhero is supposed to do. You're him. You're the hero. You're welcome for not getting robbed. I'm Batman. Get him back in! How old are you? Basically 15. Electrocuted a bus and almost killed these people. And then I caught it! And leave tall buildings in a single bound. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 25 of Man of Screen Extra. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and this episode, I am going to be discussing Shazam, the Warner Brothers and New Line Cinema motion picture, which uh, recently came out. And I will be mostly alone for this episode, except I have pre-recorded a little conversation I had with my daughter Haley on the way home from the movie. She was uh, really excited about it and was, uh, you know, buzzing pretty good about it. So uh, you're going to have some of her thoughts later on in the episode. Haley and I saw the movie on opening night, Friday night. I believe that was the first time uh, she and I made... uh, made it to an opening night. She had uh, expressed interest in seeing the film since she saw the uh, the trailer in front of Cap- Captain Marvel of all movies. Ugh. Captain Marvel Shazam, you know, what a landmine that's all going to be. And I'm going to do my best to avoid this, but bear with me, folks, as I am probably going to screw up a few times and refer to the the uh, Shazam character as Captain Marvel. Just bear in mind that I know the character as Captain Marvel in half for years. So if I'm going to make that slip, I'm going to apologize for it in advance. So yeah, Haley and I saw the, the movie on opening night. You know, we very rarely make it to evening movies at all. To say nothing of opening night, it's just kind of uh, things kind of aligned for us that uh, if we didn't go that night, we wouldn't get the uh, get an opportunity to go. So I was glad that we were able to go and see it because she really enjoyed it, as you're going to hear in the uh, ending segment. I'll put that in before I sign off. But for right now... Before I get into the movie itself and some of my thoughts before we get to Haley, I have feedback to address, and feedback is from Dave McElvenny. Dave is writing in on Man of Screen Extra episode 24, in which I talked about Reign of the Superman. I keep forgetting these Man of Screen Extras are uh, so irregular that I'm kind of talking about them right uh, one after the other because the feedback is usually in by then. So Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. Well, you'll be happy to know that I actually watched this one 
three times before listening listening to this episode. I'm glad I did because it took a couple of viewings just for me to sort out the differences between the original storyline from the comics and the version in this movie. Not that I dislike the differences particularly, but sometimes I can get stuck in a wait, this isn't how I remember it loop unless I give myself some time to adjust to the differences from the source material. I thought this was a good adaptation or at least, as you said, as good as we're likely to see in 87 minutes. The longer play out of the story over months in the comics gave it more room to develop and gave the reader more of an investment in the characters. The streamlining of the story was probably a good way of presenting it, perhaps, to people who didn't read the original story as it came out over those months in the comics. I suppose people who only know the story from the trades, or if they gathered the individual comics after the original publication in the 90s and read them through as a single reading project, might have found the way I read them as they came out too slow. There were some fun moments in this, particularly the ice cream moment and the spinning into the costume of Wonder Woman. I also liked the appearance of the reporter named Sullivan at the Daily Planet. Fortunately, I could separate the character of Chloe Sullivan, if that's who it is, from the actress Allison Mack. The post-credits scene with the appearance of Luthor in an old familiar suit was a bit of fun too. I did catch on as soon as I saw G. Gordon Godfrey that Darkseid would be involved, which overall was, I thought, possibly the best change from the source material. It did seem to make sense, as well as the idea that Doomsday had been a tool of Darkseid in the first place. I thought the individual Superman could have used a bit more exposure earlier in the story, but I understand why, with the time constraints of the movie, that didn't happen. With the time they were given, I thought they were well presented and differentiated from each other. I did notice quickly that the Eradicator never really claimed to be Superman, but seemed to refer to Superman in the third person, as if he were referring to someone other than himself. There were some moments I was less than happy with. I didn't like Superman's use of the wild card Eradicator to deal with Hank Henshaw, the cyborg Superman. It's not entirely clear, I suppose, but it certainly seemed that he killed Henshaw, and that's not something I really want to see Superman responsible for. Also, when the Cybercore lost power and fell to the ground, I liked to have seen the Justice League make an effort to catch them or cushion their falls. As it was pre- presented, the Justice League's inaction seems to have led to the Cybercore's death. Again, not something I like to see. Thanks for covering this one, and I'm looking forward to hearing the regular podcast when it returns. Live long and prosper, Dave. Well, uh, as always, thank you, Dave, for writing in. I don't have a ton to respond to in Dave's letter, and uh, Dave's initial comment uh, that uh, I'd be happy to know that he actually watched this one is uh, that he did listen to my commentary for The Death of Superman for the first time before he saw the actual film, and then listened to it again after he saw it. That's kind of a, just kind of a little uh, in joke between Dave and uh, myself. And for the most part, Dave and I pretty much agree on our comments. Uh, I just want to address uh, Dave's uh, comment about the Eradicator, how he didn't like Superman's use of the wild card Eradicator to deal with Hank Henshaw, the cyborg Superman. And he's right. It's not entirely clear, but it always seemed, the way I seem to interpret it is that Superman downloaded Henshaw into that crystal or whatever it was. And uh, kind of he, Henshaw and the Eradicator were uh, stuck like that in there together and maybe the eradicator was dealing with henshaw in some fashion it's kind of uh, similar to the ambiguity surrounding the uh defeat of zod ursa and non in superman 2 where depending on how you want to interpret that scene they either died or didn't as far as it's seeming that he killed henshaw like i said i'm feeling like maybe he downloaded henshaw into that crystal in the comics it, it seemed that it's, it almost seemed clearer that Superman, at the very least, attempted to kill Henshaw when he stuck his arm through through Henshaw's chest and vibrated it and exploded the cyborg all over the place. We know Henshaw didn't die in the comics, but because he still appears in the comics to this day and did well after that, too, before continuities were uh, twisted around. And uh, the way in, if you look at the original comic, the way Henshaw kind of says 
somehow I'll survive. You know, you kind of get the feeling from that that Superman is trying to destroy him by any means necessary. So I will argue that it's a little less clear in this film, but it's almost overt in, in the reign of the Superman comic that Superman is trying to kill Henshaw. Maybe he's thinking Henshaw is already dead and his consciousness is uh, keeping going. I don't know. So, oh, and as far as the Cyber Corps, I, I just don't think there was any way for the Justice League to catch all of those guys. And it's very possible that they were dead as soon as uh, their my circuitry short-circuited. And my show was on a little bit of height, was on the end of its hiatus when this episode dropped. So, as you all know, the show has returned in earnest by now. And Superman 2 is right around the corner. And before I move on, I have a uh, Facebook comment on the uh, Man of Screen Facebook group. This is from Jason Ritter. And Jason wrote that he uh, really enjoyed the change that they did in the film but i am excited what they are teasing at the end of the film basically what they're teasing at the end of the film is basically the dark side war which was an arc in the comics uh, a few years ago so that being said i'm going to take a quick break play a podcast promo and then i'm going to come back and i'm going to talk about shazam hang around folks justice league international blah ha ha podcast a new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the jli era by keith giffen and jmd mateus will be going issue by issue in release order tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter Batman Dr. Fate Black Canary Fire Ice Maxwell Lord Oberon Captain Marvel Rocket Red, Captain Adam, Mr. Miracle, Guy Gardner, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, Nort, and many, many more. Justice League International, Blah Ha Ha Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? All right, welcome back, folks. Now, as for the movie, uh... As for my own fandom with Shazam and Captain Marvel, I've never really been a super fan of the character. You know, I've always been aware of him. I've known about you know, Captain Marvel. Probably my introduction to him, I have. while I haven't seen the Republic serial, which actually makes Captain Marvel the first uh, superhero ever to have a movie, I saw kind of a clip of it in uh, that 1988 special. The 1988 uh, 50th anniversary Superman special done by uh, Saturday Night Live. And But, you know, I've come across Captain Marvel and sh- in the comics throughout my reading over the years i mean i never had anything against the character i just really never got into him too much i'm a little more into him now but he he's always kind of come up as i was reading other things he would just kind of come in and out of my reading depending on uh, where he was guest starring i don't think i've actually ever sat down and read any uh shazam stuff although i've been meaning to get around to the uh, jerry ordway uh power of shazam from the late 80s or early 90s i don't remember exactly when that was done and uh in the new 52, from which this movie draws heavy inspiration, just about almost all of it, a lot of what you saw in this movie is from that run in the backups of the Justice League book after the uh, dawn of the new 52, sometime between 2012 and 2013, I want to say. And I don't necessarily know that I read those. I mean, I kind of thumbed through on the DC Universe app the uh, the Justice League issues that had the backup feature, and while some of it looked familiar, a lot of it did not. So I'm going to get around to reading that pretty probably in the near future but not in time for me to record this podcast just from from what i'm seeing that movie drew heavily from that run and a lot of the billy stuff you know some of the panels and some of the scenes in the movie look like they're taken right out of the comic book especially the stuff with uh the orphaned kids if you look at uh i don't remember which it's one of the issues that whatever issue maybe it's just like number eight from 2012 
eight or nine, I want to say. If you look at that panel where they say, Welcome Home, Billy. You look at that Gary Frank drawing and what they cast in the movie is, wow, it's a pretty spot on casting just based on the art. Now, as far as the Shazam character goes, for the longest time, Shazam has been the wizard and the character that he, his champion was Captain Marvel. Yeah, a Captain Marvel movie was produced by Marvel Studios last month. So obviously they can't both be Captain Marvel and there was... And I'm not going to get into the lawsuit between Fawcett and DC, DC alleged copyright infringement, because they felt as though Captain Marvel was uh, too similar to Superman. And eventually DC won that lawsuit. Eventually Fawcett Comics folded. Eventually DC bought the Marvel family outright. But by the time they began publishing it, Marvel had already trademarked the name Captain Marvel. And although apparently they can call him Captain Marvel in the comics, they could not have, because of the trademark owned by Marvel, they can't title anything Captain Marvel. They all have to be Shazam or the power of Shazam or whatever. Even the uh, the 70 series that I've never seen and might get around to one of these days. And maybe somebody out there can uh, correct me if I, uh, by the time the next Man of Screen Extra comes out, whether, uh, I don't know if the character was called Shazam or Captain Marvel. Somebody out there, let me know. As far as I know, he was called Captain Marvel throughout his appearances in Justice League Unlimited. It's been a while since I've watched that, but I'm pretty sure he was Captain Marvel then and not called Shazam. I know he was referred to as as Captain Marvel in the animated movie Batman Superman Public Enemies. I remember the line explicitly. It doesn't take the wisdom of Solomon to know you should stay down. Tell me something, Captain Marvel. Would Solomon have gone to work for Lex Luthor? So yeah, clearly Captain Marvel right there. So I don't know the legalities, but... They decided not to use the name Captain Marvel in the movie. Maybe they can't. Maybe it's smart not to, just to prevent brand confusion. I don't know. Either way, he's referred to as Shazam in the movie. I'm going to try to continue to refer to him as Shazam, but it's just so natural for me to want him to call Captain Marvel. I apologize in in advance if I slip and refer to Captain Marvel. Before I go forward, just the uh, fair warning. I will be spoiling the movie, so if you have not seen the film yet, I highly encourage you to turn off the podcast and come back when you have seen the movie. Last chance. Okay, there'll be spoilers after this point, so you have been warned. All right, now, as far as the movie's vital statistics go, release date was April 5th, 2019. It was directed by David F. Sandberg. Writing credits, uh, the screenplay was by Henry Gaiden, and the story was by Henry Gaiden and Darren Lemke. And Shazam! was created by... Bill Parker and C.C. Beck. Just looking at the writing credits and how similar this movie is and how much this movie takes from the New 52 run, I am shocked that Jeff Johns did not have any, did not write this movie. This movie had Jeff Johns written all over it. So the cast includes Zachary Levi as Shazam. Jamon Hansu is the wizard who ironically is also in the MCU in Captain Marvel as Katana. He also played the same role in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mark Strong, who... DC fans will remember as uh, Sinestro in the 2011 Green Lantern movie. Strong's performance as Sinestro in that film was highly praised. The film itself was not. Jack Dylan Grazer as Freddie Freeman. Asher Angel as Billy Batson. Marla Milland as Rosa Vasquez. Grace Fulton as Mary Bromfield. Cooper Andrews, who uh, people who listen to both this and Fear of the Walking Dead cast, know that he plays the role of Jerry, you know, our buddy always eating the cobbler. And being told to shut up by Ezekiel. I would mutter shut up Jerry a few times during the film. And uh, Haley would hit me in confusion. Or to get me to shut up one of the two. John Glover who uh, most of us will know from Smallville. And his appearance in Batman and Robin. And numerous other, other genre credits he has. He played the role of Mr. Savannah. Caroline Palmer was Billy's mom. Faith Herman was Darla Dudley. 
Ian Chen was Eugene Choi. Ava Preston was Lillian Price. Jovan Armand was Pedro Pena. Evan, and Evan Marsh was Burke Breyer. And now for our synopsis brought to you by Wikipedia. In 1974, upstate New York, a boy named Thaddeus Savannah is magically transported to the Rock of Eternity, a magical temple in another dimension by the ancient wizard Shazam. Shazam explains that he has spent centuries searching for a new champion who is pure of heart after his first turned evil and unleashed the seven deadly sins upon the ancient world. The sins, now trapped in statues within the rock, tempt Thaddeus with the promise of power, and the boy is banished back to Earth as unworthy to be the champion. In present-day Philadelphia during Christmas time, 14-year-old foster kid Billy Batson runs afoul of the law while searching for his birth mother. A social worker places Billy in a group home run by Victor and Rosa Vasquez, who have five other foster kids, Mary, Pedro, Eugene, Darla, and Billy's new roommate, Freddie Freeman. Billy does not want to warm to his new family, and Pedro discovers Billy's notes for his search. Meanwhile, using testimonies of other people magically abducted and rejected by Shazam over the years, the adult Dr. Thaddeus Sivana discovers how to return to the Rock of Eternity. He steals the Eye of the Sin from the Rock, freeing the Sins and becoming their champion. Savannah uses his powers to attack the wizard and kill his abusive father and brother. While at school, Billy saves Freddy from bullies. He leads the bullies on a chase into the subway where he is summoned by Shazam. Chosen by the dying wizard as champion, Billy is transformed into an adult with an array of superpowers. By saying Shazam, Billy can change back and forth between teenager and adult superhero. With the help of Freddy, an amateur superhero expert, Billy begins to learn the full extent of his newfound powers. Scream! Uh, uh, Victor! Victor! No, no. Victor! It's me! It's Billy! It's Billy! You asked me! Flight or invisibility. I thought that was stupid, but now I look like this and I need your help. Oh, 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 thank God. Hey, stop right there. How do I know you're not a supervillain using telepathic abilities to make me believe that you're Billy? Huh? What? All I have to do is press dial on this thing. No, no, I have proof. I have proof. Here. Look, I lied, okay? I took your bullet. Oh, no, no. No, no, no! no. Oh, stupid adult hands! But you saw it! You saw it, right? Look, Freddy, I swear, it's me, okay? Look, I know we're not really close friends or anything, but you're the only person that I know that knows anything about this Cape Crusader stuff. It's Batman. What? For, forget it. Can I hit? Oh, yeah, yeah. Crazy, right? Okay. What are your superpowers? Superpowers, dude? I don't even know how to pee in this thing. Okay, can you fly? Okay, let's do this. How do we do this? Just, um, just like Superman it. <laughs> My God, obviously you have to jump. Come on. How is any of this obvious? Okay. Try uh, to believe that you can fly, okay? I read this deep dive into peer-reviewed studies about superpowers, and in six out of 10, belief is the key. Belief, 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 okay, okay. I believe I can fly. I believe I, I believe I can fly. I believe I Did you believe? You want to try invisibility? How do I do? You forget it. You know. Okay. 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 Oh my God! It worked. Where'd you go? I'm right here. You can't see me. Where? 
I'm invisible! I'm right here. I'm right here. <laughs> I'm invisible! I'm invisible! Hey! Nice outfit, dipshit. <laughs> I, I might have been testing invisibility and super intelligence at the same time. Freeman, I'm gonna come over there and beat you. Right in the face the whole time. Literally. Freddy posts YouTube videos of Shazam testing his powers, making him a viral sensation. After Freddy brags to their classmates about knowing Shazam, Billy abandons him and skips school to entertain fans as Shazam for money. After seeing Shazam save a bus on the news, Savannah attacks him, demanding he give up his power. Chosen one. The so-called perfect man. Pure of heart. Flawless in every way. What made you so worthy? I'm sorry, can I help? Can I help? Do you want an autograph or something? Give me your power. Or die. Oh, snap. You're like a bad guy, right? Okay, 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 okay. Look, before this gets really stupid for you, you should know that I'm basically invincible. So you know. Oh! Weapons of man draw no blood from our kind. The only thing that extinguishes magic is magic. Time to transfer your power to me. Oh, you did not see that one coming, did you, Grandpa? Them street rules. The untested Shazam was easily defeated, but transforms back into Billy to escape into the fleeing crowd. After Freddy confronts Billy over the misuse of his powers, Savannah captures Freddy, who is forced to tell Savannah where they live. At the Vasquez home, the other kids discover Billy's secret and reveal to Billy that, Billy that they have found Billy's mother living nearby. Billy runs away to finally meet his mother, whom he learned intentionally abandoned him years ago, due to her belief that she would be unable to care for him. Meanwhile, Savannah turns up to the Vasquez home with Freddy and forces Freddy to call Billy. Billy returns home as Shazam and agrees to give Savannah his powers in exchange for sparing his family's lives. However, Freddy and the other kids follow Shazam and Savannah to the Rock of Eternity and attack Savannah. This gives Shazam and the kids time to escape and realize that when the sins leave his body, Savannah is mortal and can be hurt. Savannah chases Shazam and the kids to a winter carnival, where Savannah unleashes the sins on them and the carnival goers. Shazam shares his powers with his foster siblings, causing them to also become adult superheroes with powers. While Freddy, Mary, and the others keep the sins busy, Shazam fights with Savannah himself, defeating him by drawing the only sin still housed in Savannah's body out of him, leaving him powerless. Shazam and his family are hailed as heroes, and Billy embraces his foster family as his true family. They return the Eye of Sin to the Rock of Eternity and realize they can use the rock as their secret lair. Billy also shows up at school as Shazam to endorse Freddy before revealing he also brought a, brought a friend, Superman. In a mid-credit scene, Savannah is recruited into a partnership with the caterpillar-like creature, Mr. Mind. In a post-credit scene, Freddy tests whether Shazam can talk to fish, citing Aquaman, only for Shazam to to dismiss the power as stupid. Alright, like I said, a lot to unpack in that synopsis right there. The uh, first thing I wanted to uh, point out is or not really point out. The uh, first thing I want to say is that I, I did enjoy this film, and Haley enjoyed it as well, judging by how much she was buzzing after the film. As soon as the credit the end credits rolled, uh, she asked if there was going to be a Shazam 2, so if your child is asking for the sequel as soon as you're leaving the film, that means he or she liked it. So she definitely did. Even a couple days later, she was still talking about it. So One complaint I have, and your mileage may vary on this, is 
This movie was marketed as a fun romp, and for the most part, it is that. You know, especially when Billy gets, I mean, there's some heaviness. You know, the whole, you know, Billy with his, uh, searching for his mom and stuff like that. But when this movie goes dark, it goes dark, and I'm, I didn't see a ton of the marketing for this film. We saw the trailer in front of Captain Marvel last month, like I mentioned before, and that's when Haley decided she wanted to see this film. But as far as I remember, there was no trace of the sins in the trailer. And I kind of wish there was a little bit, you know, because when those sins came out, they were monstrous and Haley was covering her eyes a few times to because the imagery was so scary, especially from one of them. One of them kind of looked like Venom with the, with the sharp teeth and the long tongue. I don't necessar- necessarily remember which one of the I don't necessarily remember which one of the sins it was, but she was pre- pretty scared by it. So I kind of wish I had known about that com- going in. This was opening night. I couldn't necessarily screen it beforehand, so it was just kind of one of those things uh, we had to deal with. She didn't seem too bothered by it after the fact, but... So, fair warning, if you're a parent and you've seen the movie already, and, uh... Or even if you're listening to this and haven't seen the movie yet, why you listen to this and, uh, not have seen the movie, I don't know, but, you know, know your kid. Know what your kid can handle, what your kid likes. If I had realized some of the imagery in this film, I might have thought twice before bringing Haley, even if she wanted to see it. But despite the ugly appearance of the sins, she really liked the movie. I mean, I'm not going to necessarily go through this uh, scene by scene. Uh, that Silvana, who is it, we are introduced in the opening uh, scene of the movie, getting his uh, father and brother uh, into a car into a car accident and getting rejected for the uh, for the power of Shazam. You know, apparently that sets him off on a search to find the wizard again and that really you're gonna see that's the kind of thing that really drives savannah and he is based very highly on um, not even very highly he is based entirely on the new 52 version of savannah with the uh the eye that can see magic and he's not the you know the funny looking bald scientist running around and plotting the doom of captain marvel he's not that kind of character in this like i said with all of these similarities to the jeff johns run i'm shocked jeff johns didn't write this but he's denied because he's not pure of heart and instead he goes for the eye of the sins and that kind of causes uh shazam to cast him out and it creates an obsession and he spends the rest of his life looking for it and obviously by the time we get to the present day in this movie he's uh coming close and he finds it you know he recognizes the symbols as far as billy batson goes he is not the billy batson you remember if you read anything post new 52 he is the orphan and i'll be honest when i saw that when i kind of realized this is where they were going i probably started realizing that in the uh trailers that i remember when the new 52 came around not caring for the new billy batson because billy was well for all intents and purposes billy was an asshole in the new 52 continuity he was mean his parents were dead he was mean he was nasty to everybody wanted no part of the family and i think it turned me off to the point where i didn't read the backup features going forward but i am gonna go back and uh read it now you know just to see the similarities and uh the big difference between the comic that this is based on and this movie here is that the comic involved the black adam who is nowhere to be found in this movie it's uh all savannah with a little bit of a mr mind at the beginning and at the end which is probably for the better this movie would have had a lot of fat if you had to introduce both black adam and shazam in this movie and i am wondering if uh his first turning evil, and I'm bringing his first champion to turn evil and unleash the seven deadly sins is probably Black, or a reference to Black Adam. Billy in this film ends up as an orphan when he gets lost from his mother while dropping on the compass that he won in a 
you know, one of those balloon throwing games and he let go of his mother's hand and, you know, kind of a parent's nightmare, you know. I mean, for me, parent brain kind of kicked in right away as soon as he kind of let go of her hand to chase the toy and, you know, kids will do that kind of thing. I remember sitting there wondering uh, why she wasn't following him or why she didn't notice. You would think she'd notice when she didn't feel the hand anymore, but we do find out later on in the film uh, what happens. I'm not. This storyline is resolved when eventually Billy does find his mother, and uh, she's basically living in this very Spartan-looking apartment building, and uh, probably in some kind of abusive relationship because whoever I don't know who was yelling at her from inside the apartment, but she basically said she was a young mother, and when she saw Billy with the cops, which was fortunate that the young kid knew to go see the cops. So it was nice to see that Billy had the presence of mind to do that as a little child. So Billy being adopted by the Vasquezes is pretty much right out of the comics. Although, like I said before, where Billy was cruel to uh, the other foster children, here he seems a little bit more aloof than outright mean, where he really doesn't want to be a part of uh, this family with them, but he's not going out of his way to be a dick to them either. Freddy, just like in the comics, is a schemer, and he's got all kinds of scams going on, and apparently he's some kind of a superhero... uh, junkie and uh he's got uh, a batarang he's got a, a bullet that we believe was at one point bounced off of superman he has a time magazine with a picture of the battle of metropolis from man of steel on it so that kind of stuff firmly uh sets this film in the dceu after the events of justice league and also right out of the comics is uh billy fighting back against the bullies in the school who are in the film, pretty for the most part, harassing uh, Freddy. In the comics, they pretty much harassed all of them. These uh, two guys, the uh, the Briar kid, and uh, Billy winds up in the subway running from them. And, you know, be- Billy is, uh, the wizard sees Billy as pure of heart, or at least pure enough of heart. And now that the sins have been released, he needs a champion. Billy's it. And once Billy gets his superpowers, it's kind of when the, I don't know if I want to call it hilarity, Although some of it's pretty funny. That's that's when a lot of the insanity starts. You know, there's where he's buying beer at the little convenience store. He's very awkwardly saving people from muggers and all kinds of weird stuff going on. And, you know, Billy has a hard time adjusting. I mean, if you were 15 and you got superpowers, how would you act? I'm sure you would not act in the most uh, responsible manner. And you'd probably probably be quite reckless with those abilities like Billy was. So there's a lot of Billy learning how to use his powers, uh, messing up. The movie makes it seem like he was showing off and accidentally knocked out the tires of the bus. but And that led right to uh, the Savannah fight, at least the first one. So I wonder if that was Savannah's doing and not actually Billy. But either way... What was interesting is, and this was a neat homage to some of uh, the characters' naming issues, is that they never really could uh, come up with a name for Billy when he's Shazam. Because, I mean, he was Captain Thunder, Captain Sparklefingers, and all kinds of different names. Power Boy, I believe, was a name kicked around at one point. You know, unlike most of the the movies I talk about, I I don't have any notes here, so I'm just kind of uh, talking. You know, I only saw the movie once, and you can't take notes in the movie theater. You want to sit there and enjoy the film. So sometimes I'm just kind of spitting from the hip here. But there was a lot of referencing to the fact that he doesn't really have his name anymore because of the uh, copyright issue with Marvel. You know, I don't blame Marvel for this situation, you know. They want to scoop up the name Captain Marvel. They 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 did. You know, it's it's business. It, it is what it is. And as far as the foster kids go, you know, I really have no complaints about them. I can't really speak to how well they were portrayed in the movie because I haven't read enough of the comic story that they appeared in. But they sure looked like the kids that Gary Frank drew in that initial run. So kudos to the casting director there. And you know, Pedro was the quiet one. Uh, Eugene Choi, he was a little bit of a game nerd. 
Darla was the real talkative one. In the comics, her parents basically said that they said right in front of Darla that, that they didn't want her. And I don't remember if there's any trace of that in uh, the movie. And Mary was trying to get into Caltech to kind of move on from Philadelphia and uh, forge a life of her own. How little these people knew what was in store for them. So, I mean, a lot of the movie is spent with uh, by Freddy Hunt uploading stuff to YouTube and uh, trying to create superhero tropes and to some better than others. But one of the th- things he's really after is a lair. And eventually uh, they find one in the Rock of Eternity. But before we get to that, there is some, uh, you know, there's some hilarity going on when they can't get out of uh, the Rock of Eternity. They keep asking Billy these things and Billy doesn't. So Savannah does the supervillain thing and he threatens to uh, Billy's family, basically the other kids. I don't think the at this point the foster uh, parents know about this and uh, it's just limited to the five kids. And it's when the kids are threatened that Billy starts to show his stuff as a hero. He comes back, tries to save them, and there is one funny moment during the fight where uh, one of the things that really stands out is uh, when when Shazam and um, Savannah are uh, talking in the air, and they must be a mile away, and uh, Savannah is monologuing, and uh, Billy can't hear him. That that was kind of funny, but really, for me, the be- one of the best moments of the film, and this was a bit of a a light moment too is when they get to the carnival and <clears throat> the sins are unleashed and first and foremost there's a nice reference to superman 2 here when uh billy gets uh the staff of eternity from uh savannah he basically tricks the staff out of his hand and he does the whole he kneels before savannah thing to save the other kids and it's very reminiscent of superman 2 when superman comes out of the uh the molecule chamber and pretends to kneel before Zod and uh, crushes his hand and that's how he gets the staff and this creates one of the best moments in the film and probably Haley's funniest moment because this is when Billy realizes that Savannah is selfish wants the power to himself and he kind of realizes the selflessness of being a hero and once they're once Savannah is clear they kind of he has them all touch the staff and say his name <laughs> and it's just hilarious they all yell Billy and nothing happens and I wonder if that was a reference to Freddy, because in the past, in order to access his powers, Freddy got his power from Captain Marvel. So in order to to, uh, bring about the transformation, he would say Captain Marvel and not Shazam like Billy would. So I wonder if that was a reference to that. But eventually Billy corrects them and they all say Shazam while holding the staff and voila! We have a Shazam family. They're all transformed into superheroes, and that was an awesome moment. I I will never forget the look on Haley's face when that happened. Her jaw was on the floor, and what a grin. She had a huge grin. If I was in the middle of a movie, I would have taken a picture of it because it was that priceless. She had a huge grin when uh, they became superheroes, I'll just say that. Basically, when they became the uh, Shazam family. Obviously, the the girls were easy to tell apart, you know, especially because, you know, I know Mary Marvel from the comics over the years so and to be quite honest there were two girls one was black one was white and uh so it was very easy to tell them apart freddy obviously had the blue costume that he has always had and i guess i had a little trouble figuring out who was who uh although i'm looking back it probably should have been pretty easy just all happened so fast is uh pedro was the bearded one and two of the uh, superhero versions were uh adam brody who played a superhero freddy and uh and dj Katrona, who played superhero Pedro, they were going to be in that Justice League Mortal film that George Miller was supposed to direct. Katrona was supposed to be Superman and Brody was supposed to be the Flash. So that was cool to finally see them be able to get their superhero on. 
Michelle Borth was uh, Superhero Mary, who I really know nothing about. I know nothing about Ross Butler, who played Eugene as an adult, and Megan Good, who played Darla as a superhero. I have no idea who any of those people are. If I've seen them in anything, I don't know. But that was really cool to see the entire, I almost said Marvel family there, the entire Shazam family show up and uh, be part of the climax. That was something they could have saved for a sequel, but, you know... Why? You know what? Why? Do it now. There's never a guarantee that you're going to get a sequel. So put your best foot forward. Do everything. And I really appreciated that. And one thing I want to point out, this film was made, I've read a report in Variety that said the budget on this movie was $80 million. Box Office Mojo says 100 But note to Warner Brothers, you can make a, a decent superhero movie on without breaking the bank without needing to make a billion dollars to uh turn a profit movie opened with about 53 million in its opening weekend that's almost half of its production budget right there so apparently it's doing well enough in its uh first weekend and you know it's well received by critics well received by fans you know i really enjoyed this movie i know couple of quibbles i wish it wasn't as scary as it could have been i mean beyond the, the marvel beyond what i just spoke about as far as the movie goes there's really not much else to really say except that i really do love the fact that the nice thing about having the mother in the even though you know it's kind of it's very sad for billy that his mother abandoned him even if she did it for i don't want to call it a good reason i can't think of anything that'd be a good reason to abandon your child but she thought she was doing what was best for him and oof, you see your kid with a cop and then just walk away that that means you didn't want to be a parent to begin with and maybe she shouldn't be a parent you know when he meets his mother he says she has really has nothing for him and you know what billy's aloofness i felt came from his belief that he still had a family out there when he realized he didn't and obviously this is before all of the uh, savannah stuff and the fight at the end this was when he realized that he could choose a family and he chose the other uh four kids freddie and all of them so family is not always who your blood is it can be you can choose your family in some cases so as far as the ending goes there is a cameo by superman although it is not henry cavill I mean, there were a lot of reports that there would be a Superman cameo in this film. There was reports saying that negotiations were being had but fell apart during money. It's actually unclear at the moment what Henry Cavill's status as Superman is right now. There was some reports that said he's out. There are some reports that say he's still in. At the moment, Warner Brothers really has no plans for Superman. But I imagine when they want to have him, I imagine the first place they'll reach is Cavill. And then they go from there. I mean, there were reports that it was over money, but according to Sandberg, who who probably didn't want to say anything until after the film came out, he said, because Superman appears at lunch with Billy, like in, like I read in the synopsis, and they only had the school f- during a certain time, and at that time, Cavill was unavailable because he was, I believe it, some reports say it was because he was filming Mission Impossible at the time, but... I doubt that. I doubt Mission Impossible would have been an issue because I mean, Mission Impossible was an issue for Justice League, and I don't think this was filming in 2017. But uh, it probably has more of an issue with that uh, Witcher series that he's doing for Netflix. Whatever the reason may be, we do not see Superman's face. We just see him from the neck down. It is clearly the Cavill costume, even if the S did look a little wonky. But so it is the DCEU Superman, and I do kind of agree with the decision. It was best to end on Freddy's reaction to seeing Superman. I think anything else would have been too much. You know, it's Superman is a guest star. Superman is not the attraction. What you want is Freddy's reaction to seeing Superman. So I'm not sure what would have been gained by having Henry and having him talk to Freddy. So there's that. I really don't have anything else to say about that. Another reference I want to point out is, for those of you who remember that in the beginning of the film, as a child, Billy really wanted a stuffed tiger. And uh, he gave a tiger to that little girl during the 
carnival fight. That is a reference to Tony, Billy's tiger friend. Behind one of the doors are a bunch of crocodiles playing, doing something, playing poker maybe. That's a reference to the crocodile men, old enemies of Captain Marvel. So, And of course, in the very beginning, you see Mr. Mind in a glass jar. Eventually, you see Mind's jar broken. And at the end, in the mid-credit scene, uh, Mind is talking to Savannah, possibly setting up a sequel. I really don't have much else to say, so I'm going to come back, I'm going to play a, another promo, and then I'm going to come back and you're going to hear from Haley. Hang around, folks. It began with the return of an ancient evil. Ah! After 10,000 years, I'm free! It's time to conquer Earth! Alpha, leaders escape. Recruit a team of teenagers with attitude. This is the story of five teenagers. Not teenagers! Yes, teenagers. Specifically chosen to keep our planet safe as the Power Rangers! Ranger Chronicles. Every Tuesday, as part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. All right, welcome back, folks. Here is my discussion with Haley on the way back from home from the movie. Like, what? How does he become the man? Are you worried about it? Yeah. Like, I thought it was like, it was going to be an ending. Oh, no. Did he even show it? What is this movie all about? Well, it, it, it took some time to get to uh, yeah, te- teaching him how to be a Shazam, right? Well, Freddie didn't really know a lot about it. Either. Freddie was just going by what he knew about Superman, about Superman and Batman. I mean, the Superman that you saw at the end there, he was in three movies. Yeah. That you've never seen. What? Yeah, what was I never seen? I mean, you were only, you were about two years old when the first one came out. The first Man of Steel. You were two years old when Man of Steel came out. And you were four when, almost five when Batman vs. Superman came out. And... Don't you have that disc? Yeah. Why? You want to watch them? I do have them. You know I buy every superhero movie. I have all the Marvel movies. You have all the Marvel movies? No. No, all of the Marvel movies. Iron Man, Thor, Captain America. I have all of those all. I have all of the ones that are out on Blu-ray. Oh. All, all of the ones that are available for me to buy, I have. And the orange kitty cats. The orange Because I saw it. I don't think you wanted to go see Justice League. I went with Corey, if you remember. I went to see Justice League by myself because you didn't want to go see it. And if you found this a little scary, you probably would have found Justice League scary. Justice League had some scary monsters. Was funny. Justice League was not as funny. I had to cover my eyes when that monster. Which one? Yeah, you didn't like the big. Yeah, the one with the big top. Yeah, I don't remember which one that was. Which, one that looked like Simon. To me, he looked more like Venom. But uh, I don't remember which uh, of the seven deadly sins that was. So you recognize the character in the Shazam suit, right? He was from Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah. 
That's where you know him from. So, your fa- what was your favorite scene again? Yeah, 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 that was good. That was the, one of the funniest moments in the movie. And you should have seen the look on your face when they all became superheroes. Your your mouth was like wide open. I know. I'm like, how did that happen? They're grown ups. Well, yeah, well, Billy became a grown up too. Yeah, but I didn't know the old kids. They all did. I couldn't tell which one was which at which point. Once, I know. They, once they were grown ups. With the boy ones. I couldn't tell which yeah, because we knew who all the girl ones were. Yeah. Yeah, you know the girl girl's a long hair movie? She kind of looks like a super girl. Well, super girl's a blonde. I'm saying this time. Usually. But she has long hair. Well, most girls have long hair. You have long hair. I've sweat. It's, it's longer than mine, right? Well, it's easier for me to brush. That's all that matters. Well, yeah, that, that's all that matters. But yeah, it was hard to tell who was who. And when they were all superheroes. Obviously, Freddy was the one in blue. I couldn't even tell. Freddy was the one in blue. You see, yeah, I... I, I, could, I, could, I recognized the voice. Because he was so scared because he was. Well, they, they tried to find actors that looked like the, uh, the characters. But I knew from the comics that Freddy's uh, superhero costume was blue. So I knew that was Freddy. And obviously, the girls were easy to tell apart. But I think the one holding up the Ferris wheel, I think that was Pedro, the big guy. Oh, yeah. And the other one was the little uh, hacker kid. The yeah, video game nut. Oh, yeah, that one. The one that had glasses. Yeah. I think it was in the green. Yeah, I think, I think so, because I think Pedro's was purple. Yeah. They had two purples? Mary, Mary was red. Yeah, Mary was red. Freddie was blue. Yeah. What color was Darla? Darla was purple. So they were twin. Was one of the one of the boys purple too? No. What color was Pedro? Well, there were two boys. One was green. I thought the one holding up the Ferris wheel was purple. It's the purple. Well, maybe I'm just not remembering not remembering correctly. But there was one thing in this movie that really reminded me of Superman too. When uh. Well, you've never seen Superman, too. At the end, when Superman's fighting the bad guys and he takes their powers away. Oh. I'll show you, I'll find it on YouTube later and show it to you. But, uh, because when Billy kneeled down and uh, took the staff. Yeah. And tricked the bad guy. Yeah. That really reminded me of Superman, too. One of these days, you gotta sit down with me and watch that. Because you've already watched the first one. And remember when we did the movie back in December? Remember we saw Superman in the movies? Oh, yeah. You still haven't seen the second one to that. I'm like, I'm like, in December, I remember we saw The Grinch. That was, no, that was November. Remember we went on a Monday oh, night? Oh, we went on November. To see The Grinch. Remember on, on, on that Monday night? Oh, yeah. We, we After school, we went to see uh, Superman? Yeah. And you, you fell asleep during the favorite part. I did not fall asleep during Superman. No, on The Grinch. Yeah, in The Grinch, I fell asleep. So what did you think of uh, Billy's mom? She looks so different from the beginning. Yeah, but I think it was the same actress. Did you think she was right to leave Billy with the cops? 
What did you think when uh, you found her? Well, it didn't look like she was in a very happy situation. No, she was. She had the... Was yelling at her to come in. She didn't look like she had a very good life. No. So. But so they got to LA, -er. right? But that was kind of creepy when they when um when Billy took that thing out of the guy. Yeah, well, eventually that had to come out though. Yeah, it was. I covered my eyes. You covered your eyes for that? Yeah, like. Yeah, I can see. I I can see that. Because kind of looked like his whole eye was like. Yeah, no. Also, what do you think about the worm? Oh, worm. Oh. Mr. Mind, the worm that talked to the guy in jail. Mr. Mind is a worm. Why does he look like caterpillar? Because caterpillars look similar to worms. I think he's a worm. He had like little tiny legs. Well, I think worms do have little, like little tiny hairs. Worms don't step; they slide. Well, this is a worm that's very that, that's magic. Okay, then that's a stupid worm. Stupid worm. <laughs> Actually, that worm is very smart. <laughs> what do you think of the bad guy? The ball guy. He has no hair. But in the beginning, he was a kid, he had hair. Well, most bald people. He has, and he loses hair. Did he shave it off or something? Maybe, I don't know. If he, if he did, it, it was shorter. Well, how did this movie do on the Haley meter? What? How did this movie do on the Haley meter? Was it good? Yes. You've already asked me if Shazam 2 was coming out. So you, so you must have liked it. Well, so thumbs up? A thousand. A thousand thumbs up. All right. So, I'm glad you liked it. We had a we had a good time tonight. And now, you're going to go home, and you're going to go to bed. Well, first, the yeah, video. Yeah, I'll show you that video real quick. Like I said, that'll only take a minute. All right, and then there's that. So, next time, I will be discussing the uh, latest... Uh, Direct to DVD uh, DC animated film Justice League versus the Fatal Five. That is uh, based heavily on uh, the DC AU uh, Timverse that we all love from the 90s and the early 2000s. So expect that, and I guess in a few weeks. Until then, if you want to send in feedback, it's always welcome. Manascreen at gmail.com. If you want to join the conversation over the Facebook group, just put Manascreen Podcast in your search feed and the show should come up. You can also find the show on Twitter at Manascreencast. So, till next time, folks, don't forget, say the word. Manascreen Podcast is produced by Mike Zemo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zemo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. Emails of this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. 
and you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.